I'm Melissa White, and this is The Spirit Room. This is a place for seekers that find themselves intrigued with working with the unseen world. I'll bring you insight into my life and work as a medium, interviews with people that I find fascinating, and also provide you with some tools to help you implement a beautiful life in partnership with spirit. So I invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy what spirit has in store for us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Spirit Room. I'm Melissa White, and I'm here today with a very special guest. Her name is Tina Conroy, the intuitive woman. And since childhood, she knew that she was connected to something greater. And at an early age, she realized that she inherited her psychic grandmother's gift of prophetic dreams, visions that were always vivid, full of sensory detail, and eventually real. Since then, Tina has spent over 20 years attuning her mind and body to truly listen to that internal voice that can predict or advise and is inspired by a greater power. Tina helps others to strengthen their inner voice by improving mental and physical health. And she is a Reiki energy healer, psychic medium, and she hosts her own podcast, The Intuitive Woman Podcast. And it's her passion to work with women to develop their intuition. So welcome, Tina. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Melissa. As we were speaking offline, I am completely honored to be here. I have been listening to your podcast for quite some time, and I feel like we're fast friends already. So, so, so honored to be here and to be a part of your community. Oh, thank you. And that means so much. And I honestly feel like it's such a blessing that we got to make this happen and get to spend this time together. So I really appreciate it. I wanted to start off just asking, where where are you calling us from today? So I'm in Port Washington, New York, and I, I try to hide my accent, but I'm sure most people will know <laughs> from New York. I love, it. I love it. I love it. Do you? Because it's one of those things where not can always be the most flattering. So I'm uh-huh. from Long Island, which gives it away even a little bit more because I think every part of New York has a specific little twang, but mm-hmm. I am closer to Manhattan. So not that far out East. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. And really, I wanted to start with your grandmother inheriting that gift for the prophetic dreams. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience as a child? Sure, absolutely. So my grandmother is my is in spirit now, my dad's mom, and we called her grandmommy. And she works with me now in this new relationship that she's in spirit. But when I grew up, she had what we would refer to as the bad dream. And we all we didn't really speak about it. I was young at the time, but she would have this dream. It was a scary dream, it was a bad dream. And she didn't know what or how it would happen, but somebody would always die in the dream. And unfortunately, after the dream, someone would die, somebody she knows or somebody close. And Mm -hmm. this was going on for quite some time. And I wasn't really aware of it until I was 13. When I was 13 was really the first time that I was impacted with a loss in my family, somebody very close. It was my uncle and completely out of the blue. I remember pretty clearly it was eighth grade. We were going roller skating and we were headed out to the car and 
the landline, we didn't have cell phones then. <laughs> My mom ran in to pick up the phone and she started screaming and crying. And unfortunately, my uncle at 31 had died suddenly of a heart attack with really just sudden. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, that was devastating and and very traumatic. But what ended up or what I ended up hearing about is that my my grandmother had dreamt that someone would die or have a bad dream. And she had called everybody that morning or maybe the day before. And where is everybody? Is everybody in the right place? Where is everybody going? And we would all assure her, apparently, the, the adults, everyone is okay. Her dream was very specific that she saw my mom and dad in a stretch limo in a black limousine. And all she knew that someone would die. And a black limo picked up my mom and dad from their home and escorted them to my aunt's house, which was my father's sister, to deliver mm. the news. Wow. So that began all these questions for me, like, why would grandmommy have this bad dream? And if she's dreaming of people, but she doesn't know they're going to die, I had so much fear. Like, okay, so now if you have a bad dream, uh, someone's going to die, but you don't know who. So you're walking around every day thinking this will happen. So that's right. how it kind of started. And I, I ended up having prophetic dreams. Thank goodness they weren't to that intensity. But they were very visual. I could smell in my dreams even to, even today. I would have premonitions, I would say, and good and not so good, but not really to that extent, thank goodness. But it really scared me. It really scared me a lot. Definitely. I could see that that would be inspiring quite a bit of anxiety for anyone, but especially at a younger age and especially being so sensitive to spirit and energy for sure. Yes, absolutely. Wow. And so were your parents open to your dreams or your like psychic experiences as you were growing up? It's very interesting. They weren't open to it, but they weren't closed to it. It it just was something we didn't speak about. They would, you know, refer to grandmommy and her strange dreams or she had the thing. But but <laughs> other than that, they didn't really entertain it. I had some interesting things growing up prior to 13. I would say more on the paranormal. And my mom would just pretend, oh, nothing. she'd always have an excuse for everything. And now she laughs and says, well, I didn't know what to say. So I had things like move in my room and really odd things. And I was afraid of the dark, which I kind of still are. <laughs> and I, I just felt things, but I never saw spirit. And and I think there were some unusual things like my TV would turn on and off and the garage door would open and close, like really weird things. But my mom would always have something to say. Like she would say, oh, we live in a new neighborhood and and the frequency of the garage doors, that happens. Or, oh, the TV is on the brink or this just mm -hmm. odd things. And so, but that was... I think back, I can look back now saying that spirit was trying to get my attention, but I didn't really know what it was. Totally. I relate to that because I had experiences similar, but I really didn't know at the time that that's what was happening. And so it was a lot of anxiety. And I wouldn't say I was necessarily scared of the dark, but I was certainly scared of nighttime being alone in my own room, like by myself. And this feeling that if I was the only one awake, which I usually was because I had trouble sleeping, still do sometimes, but that, oh, like it was almost like too scary. So I think it's, yeah, I can relate to that as well, for sure. Yeah, I remember very clearly I was the oldest and I felt very similar. If I was wide awake in my room, that I would be 
I don't know, I would be attacked or something in my mind. So I would run into my sister's room who was two years younger and was very annoyed that I asked to sleep with her many times. (laughs) I actually, for a while, when I was a kid, I would, my mom just set up a sleeping bag like beside their bed. And literally I would just middle of the night, I would either be still up, like I'd been up and not gone to sleep, or I would sleep for a bit, wake up at two, three in the morning and be terrified. And so I would run down this hallway and just hop into the little sleeping bag and just spend the rest of the night there because it just felt safer. So it's interesting when you're younger and you're a kid and you don't have a frame of reference or you don't have someone to say, hey, like this is what's happening energetically, it can be so fearful. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. I agree. What about what about your development journey? Because I know you've been working with spirit for a long time. So what has your development been like? It for me it's really been an evolution. I Besides all those things sort of happening and the dream state, which I got a lot of my messages and mm-hmm. clear, clear things in my dreams, I would say that by 29, I was a young mom with two children. And so I was really trying to find myself and do things for me because it's really hard. And so I started practicing yoga. That led me to teaching yoga to children and teens and then eventually adults And it put me on this whole spiritual journey. And I can say now that I think spirit felt yoga was safe because I don't think I was ready for all the things that were coming. And then yoga brought me into Reiki. And that's where the doors fled open. I I remember very clearly getting Reiki treatments and wanting more and feeling, wow, this is, this is amazing. I, I feel good. I, this energy, I just want more of it. And then feeling called as a calling to learn it. And when I started giving Reiki treatments, I would see all these images in my mind. They just like a dream, clear as day. And I I didn't really know what to make of it until a few times it was, I had this very clear image of a woman who I was working on. I didn't know her, that it was an abusive situation. She was being thrown to the wall and someone was like holding her neck. It was very, it was not a good image. And after the treatment, I, of course, didn't want to say that. So we got to speaking and I asked her how she was feeling. And she broke down and cried and said that she was having an affair with a married man and he was abusing her. And in the moment, I, I remember that being like, wow, what, what it, I was interested because I had picked up on something. I knew it was energy, but all the visual in my head. And that's when I thought, I need to get a little development. Maybe I should look into something. So then years go by and I found my way into a psychic class and I did more psychic. It was Berkeley Psychic Institute, which we did a lot of readings with our eyes closed. And we can only say, I see, I see, I see. They didn't even entertain the I feel, I know, I any of oh, that. Wow. Uh, it was very interesting mm-hmm. the way it went in. Mm-hmm. Then that led me to angel work. And, and so the evolution, the evolution. And I was doing readings. I'm doing air quotes here, card readings, angel card readings, and people's dead people would show up. And at that time I had really no development other than, Oh, do you have a dad? Do you have a dad in spirit? Yeah, I do. Oh, okay. He's saying this. Okay, great. And that would be it. And then it got more and more and more and more and more to the point where I thought, okay, what, what is this? What's happening? And to be honest, Melissa, I was really scared. Um, not scared of people in spirit, I was scared that I was going to be so responsible for someone sitting in front of me that I kept pushing it off. 
for years, I didn't want to develop it. I said, no, 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 this isn't happening. Um, and one of my teachers, my Reiki teacher, and I'm doing Reiki at this time very often, I'm doing readings and all this, but not specifically medium. She said to me, you ha- you're, you're getting called. You, this is what's happening. And I'm like, no, it's not. And, <laughs> anyway, and then I started taking development and I will always, always be developing. will always say I'm learning. I learn so much more about myself every day. And, and it's a journey. I mean, it's truly a journey. I don't think it's an easy journey, but I, I really do say it's, I'm, I happen to be a perfectionist, which is not a good thing for this work. I'm really it's working so hard. hard. It's so hard to be a perfectionist and be a medium. It's, it's, like, yeah. It's, God's, God's little joke with us. Like, hmm, <laughs> this will cure her perfectionism. Let's just get her to work on mediumship development because it's so impossible to be perfect. You, you don't, you don't get perfection. It's always, like you said, it's always that continuous learning and development. Absolutely. And I think that's, I learn more and more that it's more about learning about myself, that the mediumship development is about myself, which I never really realized. So that's pretty much my story. Yeah. That's amazing. It's so similar. I Same thing. I started with angel card readings and lo- I loved them. Like I loved doing them. And I think it's the same sort of thing. Angels felt very safe to me and kind of like not too out there for me. Like it was kind of a, a safe way for me to start and enter into that sort of world. And same thing. I would do sit down with someone and do an angel card reading and all of a sudden their loved one would come in so strongly and I would know, oh, like this is their dad. This is, you know, uh, know the information. And so that's how the mediumship just basically kind of presented itself to me. And I had the same feeling. I delivered it and I, I loved it, but I felt apprehensive as well. Almost like, oh, this is a whole other level. Like this is just something that it is such a huge responsibility and a feeling as though I just want to do this justice. I just want to do it right. I want to make sure that I'm doing this quote unquote correctly, which obviously it's going to be different for everyone, but I totally relate to that. So that's really interesting. Absolutely. It felt like another level. It felt hard. It felt responsible. I I didn't know if anyone would ever sit in front of me that ever lost a child. I still have such a hard time with that today as being a mom. So yes, all of it, all of it, everything you said. (laughs) Yeah. And it, I think when, when there is that concern, I think it's a good thing in a way, because it, it does show that like, there's this care and this concern about taking it seriously, that it is something sacred. And it's not just something that we just dive into and we don't know what we're doing, but let's just like, see what happens. Like, I feel it's good to have that honoring that sacred connection. But what I find is that sometimes the responsibility of it or the pressure that sometimes emerging mediums feel, it almost holds them back. It, it, it stops them from actually um, going forward and doing the work. And so it's, I'm just like very, I think it's very inspiring for listeners to hear that even though you had that feeling, you still you still went forward with it and did what you needed to do to learn and grow and really develop your mediumship. And I think that's really courageous. I always feel that those of us that take this on and actually offer it, do this work, it is super, super courageous because it takes a lot of guts to actually put yourself out there in that way and to deal with, I think, the expectations sometimes. People really do expect 
miracles on the daily from us. And I think that it is miraculous anytime we connect, anytime we make a connection with spirit. But I think there's a lot of that self-growth, self-development that goes along with it, like you said. So yeah, it is one of those things that it takes a ton of takes a ton of courage, but the reward is so fulfilling for taking that leap of faith. So yeah, absolutely. And I think that what I remind myself is a lot of the times, and I still do, it is I'm going to do it scared and I do care. And so there's even now it's gotten better, but I can't say that I'm not still have a little bit of nervousness using that word because I can't think of a word before most Mm -hmm. readings. I'm not Mm -hmm. at the same point of maybe throwing up, but (laughs) there's still a little bit of a quiver of, oh, okay, is this all going to happen and and will they show up for me? And they do and, and, and it all works. But I think if that goes away, completely, um, then it won't be my why. And my why really is not only just helping people, but continuing to develop and to serve spirit to the best that I can and whatever that may be. Totally. And I think it's impossible for any of us to know everything and to be to this point where we've basically like mastered this sort of um, endeavor, because I think literally you can study for years, you can practice for years, you can offer this connection and be immersed in it and really just scratch the surface when it comes to what's possible. So I think that it's the beautiful part of it is that it's it continues and there's always something new to sort of uh, learn and to, to kind of develop. But then the frustrating part at times is that that learning also never stops. It's not like I think anyone can be like, yes, I've mastered this. I am 100%. <laughs> It just doesn't exist. Right, exactly. I I think I love when people share that sort of view on it because I do think it's a fine line. I think people who maybe maybe don't have that growth mindset. So they're sort of thinking like, okay, this is where it's at. I don't need to learn anymore. I don't need to continue to be open to working towards improving or strengthening. And I think then that's kind of, that's kind of sad because we should always be, in my opinion, looking at ways that we can get closer and closer to the spirit world and, and how we can, you know, express that. So that's it just from my point of view, I think it's a good thing to always have that for sure. I agree. I agree. Can you chat with us a little about some of the biggest lessons that you've learned from working with spirit? My goodness. So one of the biggest lessons that I've heard, that I've learned is it's so subtle. I think that I thought it was not going to be as subtle as it is that, well, first off, I thought that all mediums saw people outside their eyes, like you and I, like physically sitting there and walking around. And nobody really told me that they weren't going to show up like that. So I I really thought that when I would watch John Edwards and all the shows and all the things, and I was obviously very intrigued growing up, that they were seeing them in full flesh and blood. And so I didn't understand. So that was very interesting to me. And then also that it's just subtle. It's very subtle. It's a subtle, as a working medium, it's subtle how you feel or how you see in your mind's eye for me. And everyone's also different. I might get a smell. And when I say that sometimes, and and I do teach now, it's almost like a memory of a smell. Like if I smell gardenia, it's the memory of the smell. 
if that makes any sense in my head. (laughs) And so all the senses are working, but, but it's also subtle. It's not really earth shaking in the sense like, boom, there they are. And what I mean, so it's subtle. And I think that's uh, a big thing. And and then the other thing I would say, because there's three things, the other thing would be that I had no concept of frame of reference. I didn't understand that at all. And when I first learned that, it, I was a little confused because I didn't realize that mental mediumship is spirits working with our mental mind. And so if we don't have a frame of reference, it's difficult for them to kind of explain that. And so I just always thought that they knew everything. Every medium would know everything all the time and would always know what spirit was trying to convey. So it's just been an interesting evolution for sure. Totally. I so relate to both of those things. And the subtlety, I think, because in the beginning, it is a little bit more dramatic or a little bit stronger. I think just because spirit wants us to recognize it. They want to help us. They're like throwing us a bone. Like, okay, let's just make this big enough that she'll notice some feeling in her heart. Like, let's just give this to her so she'll know what we're offering. But then once you do it and do it and you get more proficient and you get more effective and you're sort of working with spirit all the time, it does become really subtle. And so it's nuanced. It's it's something that I think you really have to be so aware in the moment and just really able to offer and express even those little tiny little feelings or a little awareness, a thought in your mind that you just become aware of for a split second. And it's almost like if you don't speak it, it's gone. It's kind of like it's just at the tip of your awareness and then you speak it and okay, you can continue on. But if you don't, it, it can be that subtle. So I totally thought that I could not possibly be a real medium because I wasn't seeing solid spirit people randomly all day, every day, like people always say in like shows and movies and stuff. And so that is such a misconception. So I think it is good for people to know that it is totally possible and actually probably more likely that you're not having that experience. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of students and mediumship students and intuitive development students who listen to the show. What would be sort of a tip uh, or something that you found very helpful to you throughout your own development as a medium or as a healer? Like any anything that you would offer, say somebody who's in the in the midst of their development. I would say, let's see. There's a few things, but let me see what's coming to mind. I would say that to really truly. To do mediumship, you need a sitter. I think that all the books are amazing. I'm an avid, avid reader, books and YouTube and podcasts, but to truly practice, it's the practice. And I I find there are people that bypass the practice, but to truly practice mediumship, you need somebody in front of you that you don't know, sitter, not not Mm -hmm. necessarily a family and friend. I mean, you can start that out, but I find I don't read for family and friends and, and practice and practice and practice. And I would say that's really where you're going to learn because, and and again, I'm avid reader and I believe in all the books, but you need to have somebody in front of you that you don't know so that you can bring evidence through. I I think so many people will do their reading or do the videos, um, but they haven't applied it. And so they want to connect with their with their deceased loved ones, which is lovely. But I think we need to understand, or I would share with them that 
the way you connect with your loved ones in spirit and the way you're going to connect with a sitter in front of you that you don't know is going to be very different because the sitter in front of you, you have you shouldn't know anything about them. And so you're able to bring through true evidence, plus, of course, who they are and the essence of the spirit and their memories and so forth. Your loved ones, you can't really bring through evidence them so well, but there's a different relationship you have with them. You can sense them, you can feel them, you can maybe hear, hear a song and the signs. So, so yeah, so that's my biggest thing is the practice and, and practice, practice, practice. Do a lot of practice, sitting in different circles. Don't only stay in circles though, because if you stay with the same circle, which is beautiful, though you're always reading the same people unless they bring guests in. So yeah, that would be my biggest thing. Yeah, I think so. I, I agree. And it is one of those things too, that um, the practice of it, the actual doing, a lot of that involves trial and error and will involve making some, you know, mistakes, like actually getting no's and having to figure out what do you do in that moment when it is inaccurate? Like, how can you, how do you handle that? So lots of times people are fearful of, of practicing because they're afraid to be in that position. But at the same point, I think I encourage people to celebrate those moments when it doesn't go as planned, it doesn't go as easily as you'd like. Because if you are getting no's, then it means that you are pushing, you're stretching yourself. You're not just doing the same cookie cutter type connection over and over and over again. You're actually pushing yourself. So I, I think it's just getting over sometimes the fear of being wrong. That's a big thing. And with the with the circles, yeah, I agree. Like for mine, I mean, I've had some that have gone five years, like pretty much the same people. But what we've had, what we've done to kind of create that, create that environment is to, yeah, definitely have guests come in, definitely have people that they don't know, because you're right. After a while, you start to know everyone's people in spirit and you start to know each other really well because it's a soul connection. It's a soul bond. So it does make things a little bit more difficult when you have that. And I agree. It is so I don't feel comfortable reading for friends or family either for that reason, because it it can't be as evidential. It just can't be. They're so much better off going with someone who does not know their situation, doesn't know the people in spirit, and that it can be a little bit more on the um, up and up that way. So it's a lot. And also, I think it's a lot of pressure. Like sometimes I'll do like for around Christmas time in some of my classes, I'll do a little demonstration. I'll read for them. And I always tell them like, it's a little bit stressful because the pressure is I know them and I do know some of their people in spirit. I've connected with them already before. So there's always that voice in the back of my mind that's like, oh God, is this evidential? Is this actually, is this good enough? But yeah, it's one of those things that I, I think people don't always think of it that way. Or they'll, you ever get like clients that will message they want a reading, but they tell you in the opening line, like, I, I lost my mom yesterday. I really want to connect with her. And you're like, oh, please don't tell me. <laughs> yes, like, yes, yes, yes. All the time. Try to like educate people. Like, I know like they're trying to be helpful, but I'm like, actually, it's so much better if you just don't, just don't tell your, don't tell your medium that. Absolutely. And when it comes to, of course, and I know you do as well, the psychic readings, like my, my daughter, I have young adults. So my daughter always loves to get readings when she can. And so she won't even, unless I really don't know the person or the person doesn't really know me, like medium mm -hmm. friends or psychic medium friends, she doesn't even want to go. She wants to get somebody that she that's reputable, obviously, mm -hmm. that has a good name, has a good following. But it's just so interesting because she's like, why 
can't you just read for me? I'm like, there is absolutely no way that I can read for you. <laughs> yeah, not without being biased, you know, like my, I have a really good friend who is super intuitive. She doesn't do it professionally, but she is very intuitive and she is a medium. And we'll ask each other sometimes like, hey, what do you think about this? And both of us are terrified to even tune in because we're like, oh God, what if it's not what she wants to hear? Like neither of us want to do that to each other. So it's always like we can kind of give each other a little, like a little, just a thought or a little inspiration, a little nudge, but it's not the same as, as somebody that would be completely unbiased. You know, we're too, we're too, uh, we're too afraid of like, hurting each other or right. being the bearer of bad news we're just like mm, it's almost a block so it's kind of funny but yeah I I can see that it's my partner's the same he always he's like whenever do I get my reading I want a reading <laughs> I read for him at the very beginning of our relationship just because it was his birthday it was like a couple of weeks after we met and so it was kind of like a little he was so interested and so intrigued so it was a bit of like a birthday gift but I don't think I've really read for him since <laughs> so he's always feeling like oh he, he gets like he misses out but I told him it's almost impossible like I really don't think I can do a good job for you so yeah so funny absolutely but, um, yeah so what about you mentioned about being an avid reader what what books do you recommend these days Oh my goodness. So I had to think about this because I do, I read a lot and I'm one of these people for good or for bad. I can read like two or three books at a time, which is, I know mm -hmm. probably not the best, but I, I, I do that. So I, I kind of jotted down some books that I was thinking about. And the first book that I'm going to even say has really nothing to do with mediumship. It has nothing to do with the psychic world, but it was so it was one of these very profound books to me. So one of the books that I love is called Broken Open. And the reason I like that book, it's by Elizabeth Lesser. It is about a book about change and the process that people go through. It's a spiritual book about her life, basically. Elizabeth Lesser was the founder of Omega Institute. And so she talks about her life, but the book, you can read it over and over again. It's just how she finds herself as a woman, how she finds herself going through a marriage and then a, uh, I won't give the details, but it, it talks about the Phoenix process. And they speak about the Phoenix process where we find ourselves, we pivot, we come back to ourselves. And so it's, it's made a very profound impact on me. And I have so many women that I work with that, especially now, but really all the time going through some really transitions and transformation and I always give that book out. So that was the first book that came to mind. Um, and then when it comes to mediumship, I truly love Choosing to Become a Medium by Sharon Farber. I mm -hmm. think that was the first book that really was like, oh, wow, I, you don't have to be born a medium. And I, I just love her. And it's one of my favorite mm -hmm. books. A newer book, Moving Beyond with Medium Fleur. Love that book. Yes, yeah. Really great book. I did a mentorship with Medium Fleur and I just love her way and the way she reads and her scientific approach between two worlds, Janet No Havoc. You probably know all these books, Melissa. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And then I kind of delve into Many Lives, Many Masters, which I read a long time ago uh, during my kind of between my yoga journey. And mm -hmm. then um, Dying to Be Me. So we all, we all love that book too uh, by Anita Morjani. So I could go on and on, but it, I, I mean, always intrigued with obviously mediumship and then transformation and those near death experiences where people have another, another way of looking at things and how they've kind of rose from the ashes. That's, that's what always inspires me. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's beautiful. That was my next question. I was going to no. say, what? <laughs> but that's, that's, I totally relate. And I love those suggestions. Yeah, amazing. I, I think for me, I'm always got two or three or four on the go. I have like downstairs books that like if I'm downstairs and I'm in the living room, I can just reach and have couple there, some by the bed. There's like bed books. And then there's also one usually in the car because lots of times I'm like waiting in between picking up kids and all that stuff. So they're, they're kind of everywhere. But I totally love those suggestions. And I know listeners really appreciate that because sometimes it's hard to know, like, it's hard to know where to turn because there's so much available. But those are all amazing, amazing suggestions. What about the grieving process? Have you noticed personally for you how that's been? Because I know sometimes people think it might be easier for us because we have our our connection with spirit. I'm just curious how that's been for you. For me, I'm lucky to say that I I do have both all both sets of grandparents in spirit. I do have both sets. I have my in-laws in spirit, but it's almost I grieve, I think just like everybody else. I mean, the most recent would be my father-in-law and even though I knew and I was with him at the end in hospice and doing a lot of Reiki with him and energy work. And I mean, he was conscious. It's still really hard. I kind of feel like it doesn't make a difference in a weird Mm -hmm. way. When it's so close to home, you are still grieving and it's still so painful. It's There is a little bit of comfort just because I do believe so strongly and I know that there's, I don't even want to say the afterlife because I know they're, they're here, but it doesn't make the impact any softer. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's just as hard. It's just as hard. And you miss the physical, you, you miss the, you, it's not the same. And so there's a new relationship, but there's still a loss and there's still grieving just as if every, anybody else would. And yeah. I agree. It doesn't make it any less painful. And also, I think that nobody's exempt. Nobody is spared. There's almost like the the price of this physical life is that there is going to be, at some point, grief and loss. That's part of the deal. So I think that's the way that I always see it. And I thought, oh, like maybe it would be a little bit maybe lighter or easier. But I think, no, we have to go through it just the same as everyone else. And in some ways, I think too, when people around me grieve or grieving or some of them close to, I almost feel bad, like they might expect or want me to be connecting for them, like, right away or bringing some kind of bringing them this this information and I'm always like oh what I think we all need to grieve first and have some time to actually feel everything and work through some of our feelings before any of that would even you know enter into my mind as far as like that that a connection like a reading so I'm always aware that like there might be that expectation if people don't understand or don't know, but actually, no, we all need to have that time and space to actually grieve, I think. But you kind of bring up a a very point because I get sometimes when people are grieving, they'll think like, Mm -hmm. I'll go into the funeral home or the wake and be seeing them or wanting to give them a message. And when you're grieving, you're, it's so hard to connect at that time and you're just being a human. So Mm -hmm. 
I, I know exactly what you mean. And it's not the appropriate time or it's just the communication's mm-hmm. not there. You're being a human going through a human experience and, and having a loss. And so, but sometimes it's kind of like, well, don't you see them? What are they saying? Are they okay? And it can be really challenging. It's tough. Yeah. I think that's the only thing that you almost feel. Yeah. Like I wish that was maybe a bit easier to explain, but certainly, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that I think just comes along with it. And I think people too, you're when everyone grieves differently, but there is this very human desire to just make that connection. Like people just want whatever they can do to sort of have that. But yeah, it was something I think about a lot because I do encounter that. The other thing I was going to ask you about was any projects, like what you're working on at this time and anything you'd like to share with listeners. Oh, sure. So I always do Reiki training. So that's one of the big bulk of my work. So I do different trainings. I believe I have a Reiki 2 training coming up, but I do Reiki trainings throughout the year, Reiki 1, Reiki 2. My mentorship is a little different. So you have to have gone through 1 and 2. And then there's a little bit of a process and application. And it's about a 90-day mentorship. But one of the things that I have coming up, I do teach. I do one-on-one mentorship. I don't really... It's so interesting. People just kind of find me. I don't really advertise too much but I'm always doing mentorship one-on-one. And, mm. but I do have a practice circle that I'm ex- excited to hold. So I'm doing a practice circle in March with another medium, Roy Tomko. And so we've done some classes together, combined classes together. And so it's going to be in March. So Monday night would be psychic night and Thursday night would be mediumship night. You could do one or the other or both. And anybody could just find me on, I'm on Instagram and my website's really easy. It's just my name, tinaconroy.com. But that's the next thing coming up for March. And I'm excited about it. I haven't done, I've done practice circles within my mentorship, but this is just kind of random people mm-hmm. and some people I've worked with. And then we'll just be getting sitters. And so I'm excited to have it on two different nights and one focus be psychic and one focus be mediumship. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. And so those are in person or online? Oh, online. Yes, virtual. I should have said that. So they are virtual practice circles. Yes. Okay, perfect. Wonderful. And Instagram, The Intuitive Woman? Yes, I'm pretty much easy to find. Instagram is The Intuitive Woman. Facebook, The Intuitive Woman. Same like Facebook page. I do have a group. It's The Intuitive Woman Facebook group. So try to keep everything pretty easy, except for my website. That's just my name, tinaconroy.com. Oh, wonderful. Well, I mean, it's such a pleasure. I'm so pleased that we got the chance to have this conversation. And I just absolutely appreciate your energy and this genuine, beautiful. So thank you for sharing it with us and for coming and being a guest. Well, thank you, Melissa. You truly are a beautiful light and and just amazing all the hearts uh, that you touch. And so just so pleased to be here. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. And we'll have to, we'll definitely keep in touch and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So thank you so much. Thank you.